right, everybody. Welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. I am Paul. And I am Eric. That's right. And we're back uh, with, uh, we're going back to the DC Universe. It's been a little bit. Yeah, I, been I on a Marvel stretch. Yeah, we have been. I don't think we, I think we talked about it the last DC uh, book or movie that we reviewed was back in February. It's not that long ago, I guess, but but it's been a while. Yeah, we, we, I'd say. We did Hellboy, uh, did, did a bunch of Marvel stuff, did like Hulk, uh, Venom, uh, X-Men, X-23, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah a bunch. Uh, so we're back on that DC side. Um, I feel like when I read, I usually not only that, but back in the Morrison. That's true. We're back, which, I, with, which uh, is my favorite. We we did. Uh, we kind of had the ex- yeah. We went back on uh, back on our Christmas episode and did a Klaus Morrison episode. Yeah, that was the first Grant Morrison book. We that haven't we did. done any big two Morrison. Um, but yeah, that's one of our favorite writers, both of us. So, oh yeah. Um, like I would, I would definitely put him on like my Mount Rushmore. I don't know who the other ones would be, but he would have to be there. I would if I had to pick four. Yeah, he's one of my locks for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're back on that DC side. I feel like when I read, I usually tend to gravitate towards one side of the big two for a while. Um, like I'll just go on like stretches. Yeah, I'll, I'll spend like a couple months on one side. I kind of like to like immerse myself in one cosmology, one general universe, I guess, for a while because it's cool. Like when you are reading multiple books in the same universe at once. Yeah, maybe exactly. not necessarily at the same time period, but it's. Still, I think it helps your understanding because you're thinking of other things in that universe that are happening at the same time. I kind of enjoy that. Exactly. Like, you're not breaking immersion into, like, a separate comic universe. Right. I'm not mixing up Galactus and, you know, other cosmic DC beings. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as cool as that would be, but... Yeah. (laughs) Nice crossover. Oh, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, so this week we're going to be doing All-Star Superman. It's also our first Superman episode that we're doing. Yeah, that's uh, just crazy. Yep. So we're getting uh, one of the big Justice League members in there. We're going to be doing All-Star Superman issues one through six, and then talking about the original 1978 uh, Christopher Reeves Superman movie. Oh, yeah. So that'll be at the end of the episode. Uh, If you're just joining us for the first time, yeah, that's usually what we'll do is we'll split the episode, uh, I would say, like, 70-30 usually, uh, talking about the comic and the movie. Typically. Um, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll usually talk about one comic book, one arc usually, like a few comics at once, and kind of talk through the plot as well. So we usually recommend that you read them as we read them, because uh, we want it to be like a book club where you can catch yeah. up with us. But at the same time, we're going to try to talk through enough of the plot where you can understand what's happening while we talk about it. Yeah, case, exactly. Even if you haven't read it at all, like maybe you haven't read it for a long time and you're like, oh yeah, that happened. Yeah. So I, I like to kind of talk through what's happening a little bit as well. I'm not a fan of this, but I know a lot of people that, you know, they'll listen to a, like a podcast like this for either a movie or some kind of book and they'll listen to kind of an overview and then they'll actually read it. I do that it. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, every now and then. I do that for comic books sometimes because I'll be like, eh, this isn't something I'm super excited to read, but I'll listen to it and talk about it and then maybe I will be. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I mean, like we've talked about this too, like Spoilers in comic books, I don't feel like, are the biggest deal in the world. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I kind of feel that way with movies and TV shows, too. I feel like spoilers don't ruin my enjoyment of anything. But It used to really bug me, but I'm kind of easing toward the side of not caring that much. Yeah, because it's kind of cool watching it with that context of, like, ooh, something's going to happen. And, like, maybe it'll subvert your expectations, or maybe, like, you'll see hints of, like, what's going to come up. Yeah. So, you, sometimes it adds something. You do catch some more stuff when mm-hmm. let that happens. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's what usually what we'll do. And then at the end, we'll talk about the movie as well in, uh, in broader strokes uh, yeah. w- for, the, for the film. Just kind of talk about our thoughts and how it compared to the book that we talked about that week as well. Yeah, we're not going to go through the movie step by step. Yeah, most of the movies that we review, people have seen multiple or many they're times. so bad, it's not worth going through Yeah, everything. or that. <laughs> uh, like this, this movie is like a classic upon all classics. So like lots of people have seen this movie. I don't need to explain who Christopher Reeves is. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone, if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen the South Park episode. <laughs> yeah, that could be. Hackman. <laughs> That's uh, like all I thought about whenever he was on this movie. Yeah, that reenactment of it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then if you want to uh, 
to catch up with us and see what we're reading ahead of time. So that way you can catch up on our books. We are on Twitter at Agents of Podcast. That's where I run the Twitter mostly. I'll be tweeting about books that I'm reading as well and just kind of general things that I'm thinking of posting pictures of my cat sometimes as well. Uh, and then so that will be on there. And then if you want to, we also have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash agents of comic book, where that's where you can kind of, if you want to choose what we read and what we watch, that's where you can do that. Um, it doesn't cost much at the $5 level. You can choose like design a single episode, like a weekly episode that we do just choose the book that we review and the movie. Um, as long as they're at least tangentially related, I'll, I don't care. Yeah. Like, we're not going to be hard about it. Yeah. We, we like for them to be related as much as possible, but if it's a loose fit, you know, that's fine. As long as there's something there to kind of like compare them, exactly. Like, well, yeah. this, is, this is a version of Superman. I'll be like, I'll go with it. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, so that's where you can do that at the ten dollar level. You can request up to a three part episode, so you can have us like dig into a single book for like three straight episodes, or you can mix it up, whatever you want to do. It's mm-hmm. like your your time for three weeks in a row, which is actually what we're going to be doing after we do All Star Superman. Yep. Um, we're splitting All Star Superman into a two part episode, so next week we're still going to be doing more of that. Um, yeah, the but the second week, half. Yeah, the week after that we're going to be starting a three part Power Rangers episode, which was requested yeah. by uh, Dark Side Taser over on Twitter uh, and on Patreon, who just subscribed uh, onto the Patreon. So I very much thank Hell you yeah. for that. Oh yeah. Uh, so he he will be getting his request uh, coming up in a couple weeks here, and we'll be digging into that. I, Do we I, know what we're watching for that yet? Yes, he re- requested some specific episode arcs from the show. Okay, um, that we'll watch, and then uh, we're going to be starting the Kyle Higgins run on the Power Rangers, which is I think kind of where generally where it all starts. Now, is do Power Rangers fall under independent? I'm yes. guessing. Okay. Yeah, Boom Studios. Yeah, I didn't know if, if one of them like kind of owned it or bought it out. Yeah, it's a, a lot of those uh, kind of cartoon and movie adaptations are indie. Although DC owns like the Hanna Barbera stuff. And does, I I think the only reason I'm thinking this is because of Injustice, the game. But uh, mm-hmm. DC doesn't own Ninja Turtles, do they? Oh no, that's okay. just a crossover. Or is yeah. that is that Warner Brothers? Uh, Ninja Turtles. I don't know who owns that. Yeah, but I mean, they way. have Hellboy and stuff too. So yeah, it, it doesn't matter way. where you are. Like Injustice can do what they want. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's where you can find us. Uh, so feel free to join us on there uh, on Twitter. Follow us. Uh, we'll, we always follow you back too, so that way we can engage uh, uh, engage with like the comic stuff you're talking about too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but without further ado, we're going to be talking about the first six issues of All Star Superman, which will uh, we're going to kind of break that down because each issue of this book kind of. What's I appreciate about how this is written is each issue kind of stands alone and tells its own story to a certain like there is a, an overarching story going on behind the scenes yeah but each issue is kind of like its own set like it's its own complete story which is really nice yeah it was kind of like a medley just like Superman kind of misadventures almost yep and before we get too far I should uh, announce the creative team we talked about it at the top this is uh, written by Grant Morrison and uh, art by uh, arc <laughs> art by uh, frequent collaborator uh, Frank Quitely who Hell is yeah. Uh, yeah he's like a he's teamed up with Morrison more than probably any other artist. Yeah, he's one of my favorites, too. Yeah, those two did X-Men well, together, Flex Mentallo, Batman. Batman and Robin. Yep. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, well, I was looking it up. He's from Scotland, too. So, I I don't know if him and Morrison knew each other growing up. That seems but highly I'm, likely, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they kind of were in the same scene. Gravitated towards just by, yeah, beating each other. That yeah, for sense. sure. And then we also have Colors by Jamie Grant, uh, who does a great job on this as well. Oh, yeah. So, the All-Star Superman, the way this breaks down is uh, this takes place in its own continuity essentially it's its own kind of wrapped up superman story that doesn't i mean it ties into other it makes references to other comic books but it, nothing else is ever going to reference this i don't yeah. think because it definitely takes place in its own universe yeah it kind of stands alone yep and, and and because it does that it also it makes a good a lot of people recommend reading this 
later on as far as a Superman read, but I don't know if I agree with that because this is one of the first books that I read ever, and this was like a great introduction to Superman also. Yeah, I mean, this is other than like Final Crisis and some other, you know, kind of big events that I've read with Superman, and um, this is definitely my first like actual Superman comic I've read. Mm -hmm. And because, I mean, like, they do a one-page catch-up that gives you all you... I mean, everyone knows Superman, but even this one-page catch-up is great. It's like Doomed Planet, Desperate Scientists, yep. Last Hope, and then The Kindly Couple. It's like, that's it. That's all you need. Exactly. Uh, and, and then the, the, uh, the next page is a great uh, Frank Quietly splash page, one of my favorites. It's the one I chose for the Twitter banner this week on Twitter. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, it's just uh, Superman flying right under the, the sun. Uh, there's a, uh, a sun mission that's going on, basically. They call it the first manned sun mission, which is kind of cool. A sun mission. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's like, we're going to be the first men on the sun. Yeah. And uh, there's this new, it's a, a new character for this run, uh, Leo Quintum, Dr. Quintum. He's kind of like a, almost like a Reed Richards kind of character where he's just like this super genius trying to do good for the world and Superman trusts him a lot. Yeah, he was a cool character. I like. I had no idea who he was at first. I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be like inherently good or if he was supposed to be kind of malicious. But yeah, he's a new character, so I guess a lot of people reading this are probably wondering the same thing. But gotcha. Yeah, I mean, by the end, I mean, well, I, this is outside of the issues we'll talk about this week. But Superman even has a scene where he's like, "No, I trust you, Quintum. Like with whatever oh, yeah. you want to do." Yeah. Yeah, he really trusts him. Yeah. So so that's kind of tell, and that kind of tells us all we need to know too. It's like, all right, well, if Superman trusts him. Boom, I'm on. Yeah, board. you might yeah. as well. So he's on this uh, mission to. Uh, so he, he, he calls it to scoop a spoonful of sun and bring it back. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's my goal, and I won't be embarrassed, so we're going to do it. And on their mission, it gets sabotaged by Lex Luthor, who is actually remote controlling one of the soldiers from his base. Uh, we see Lex Luthor later on in the issue. He's actually like in this suit, like talking through this soldier. It's like a robotic person. Of yeah, some... it's kind of like an avatar. Yeah, deal. he made like a human bomb essentially. Yeah, and, and planted him onto the mission. And because uh, his idea, Lex's plan was sabotage this mission, get Superman too close to the sun, and maybe something good will happen from that for me. Yeah, which seems kind. Of, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it ends up working, but. I mean, you'd think the thing that gave Superman, like, his powers or what he drives his powers from, I don't know how... I mean, I guess you could feasibly overdose on something that powerful. Right, well, that's what Lex figured out, and that's yeah. what Superman says later, because he rescues the, the mission on the sun, but uh, when he comes back to Leo Quintum, Quintum's, like, studying him, and he's like, you're more powerful than you've ever been, Yeah. but, like, some something inside you is killing you. Like, it's it's basically, like, a story, Superman has cancer, Yeah. because he's telling you, like, Superman, there's no... Like, we'll try our hardest, but I don't know any way that we can cure this. Yeah, it's like every cell cancer yeah and like because like you've is he gets his powers from the sun which is like why he's normally immune to that he even goes into the sun sometimes like to recharge his abilities but yeah like this is like him going through the hottest part of the sun they say it's like six thousand degrees fahrenheit so uh it's like it's basically like an overload but at the same time it's also pushing his powers into overload too and he's having like strength that he's never known and powers that he's never seen before i can't remember specifically but and are, don't they aren't they like constantly growing too yep yeah as it goes on as yeah. he gets closer and closer to death yeah, yeah. And uh, like they basically get so powerful that they just kind of die out and burst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just like an overload. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of what I think is cool about this story, because this is the story that I think most people would just like instantly say, like if they, you ask them, what's the best Superman story of all time? A lot of people are just going to like go like, oh, yeah, it's all star Superman. Really? It's like off the top of their head. Easy. OK. And so it's it's funny that, you know, that that tired take everyone always hears, uh, you know, for people who don't read comics is all Superman's boring. He has too many powers and no one can beat him. Like, how can that ever be a good story? No, I I, I kind of relate to that because I mean even I mean as a whole 
I don't have anything against Superman, but I was never like crazy about him. Like I was never that super drawn to his stuff, and mm. and for not that specific reason, but just because like it, I don't know, it never really drew me in. I guess, but this mm. one, this was definitely kind of opened up a new like page to like the side of Superman that I didn't really. And that's why I recommend this uh, as a really good first time Superman book because oh, yeah. if that's the take that people always hear, you know, Superman's too powerful. You can't make that story interesting. Yeah. This is a story where he's literally at his most powerful he's ever been. Yeah. It's like the best Superman story of all time. Yeah, exactly. Because Grant Morrison, I think in interviews himself said like the thing that, you know, inspired me about Superman wasn't like him going and beating all the toughest bad guys. It was like that internal struggle. Yeah. Like Superman is like the, the working class superhero. Like he's not like Batman he's not a billionaire playboy he goes to work you know he has a job he yep. he, uh, he does the superheroing on the side you know mm-hmm. essentially so it, it's a different take so it's it's that emotional struggle it's like you know the the everyday thing that everyone has like that's what makes Superman interesting and that's what makes storytelling interesting it's not about like power levels yeah exactly so like I think that this is a really good example of that just be like oh well like that that whole reason sure he is super powerful but not that doesn't matter as far as storytelling goes you can do great stories with that information and utilize that and thrive off of it yeah and like not only is he at the strongest he's ever been but he's also dying yeah so it's basically just kind of pulling at each other yeah so it's we have this story where he's at his most powerful and this story thrives so mm-hmm. it's like that's the perfect example oh yeah uh, and so, yeah, so Lex Luthor essentially does win, uh, his, his goal here. He's like, well, I poisoned Superman. It's over. I win. Yep. And even the government's like, what are you doing in here? Like, cause he's apparently on loan from the government right now. That's how he's <laughs> staying out of jail. Yeah. It was just like keeping him blocked out, not letting him know what he yeah, was doing. Yeah. They're just le- le- letting him build weapons. So like, stop it with the Superman stuff. We just want you building weapons. He's like, oh, I promise I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Which, why would anyone trust that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't know what he's doing. You, you're not smart enough to understand. He's right. just building machines going, sure, this is a weapon. <laughs> You can trust not me. for you. <laughs> I want to call out the art, especially in this uh, scene at Quintum's headquarters, like the project labs, because the project labs are one of my favorite parts of this. Like, just it's where like Morrison really gets to do his own thing with the Superman lore. Oh, yeah. it works super well with Superman because like if someone's that powerful, his story should get like weird. Oh, because he can like go anywhere and do anything. So like he would experience things that no one else has ever experienced and like bring new knowledge to light. Yeah, and. And also, like, his perception of reality is a lot more expanded than everyone else, too. That's a great point, yeah. So, like, he could interact with things that, like, everyday people wouldn't even think existed. Yep, and Quintum's been basically inspired by that. He's like, look at all these things that we've built, like, on your inspiration. Like, we're building all these things. We've been building it because we need a plan for if you ever die or go away or, like, we've had it. We need a backup plan. Yeah. Superman's fully on board. That's kind of the other cool thing about this is that it, you know, it kind of asks the question throughout this run is, like, what is going to happen or what kind of backup plan can you like create for when Superman's gone? Right. And that's what Quintum's wondering. He's like, well, we need something because yep. like you're the only thing holding this world together. Mm-hmm. Like there's all sorts of weird things at this, this project labs that we see. Like there's the one thing that I really like this, like kind of like giant, uh, Titan of a man, like this blue glowing, like this light blue glowing man. And he just has like this, uh, blue word bubble. It's just like, Oh, just making like grunting noises. Yeah. And he's like being charged, like plugged in by a machine, almost like an aircraft. Yeah. It kind of just looks like a giant, like living energy source. Yeah, and this is just like a one-panel throwaway piece of th- like, but it's fascinating because Quintum's telling him he's like, "Oh, this is one of our Voyager uh, Titans, like mentally preparing for centuries of deep space exploration." Of course, out there, it doesn't matter how large they are. So we yep. went bold. <laughs> so it's just like really cool, and Superman just walking by, like, "Oh, very cool." Yeah, <laughs> normal. 
Very great. Good job. <laughs> yeah, no, I love when Morrison is able to stretch out like that. Yeah, he, uh, we've talked about that in our Klaus episode. He's a really good world builder because he'll just oh, yeah. throw out little things that are just like one panel or one page, and, and it's not talked about a lot, but that also adds to like, oh, these characters know all about this. Yeah. So it's like, oh, that's something that I can just infer. Like, well, that's why they're not talking about it because it's just something that happened. Yeah, those are some of my favorite parts in The Invisibles, yeah. too. With, like, there's so many like that in The Invisibles. Oh, nice. So Superman's now kind of in this place where he knows he's going to die, but he's Superman. He's got so many things he has to do. So he's like, there's a lot of things I got to prepare right now. Yeah. And uh, there's a great scene of him going back to the Daily Planet after all this, which is um, kind of draws a little inspiration, I think, from uh, the Superman movie that we'll talk about at the end of the podcast. Because mm. uh, uh, Grant Morrison's Christopher Reeves, or uh, his, his, <laughs> his Clark Kent, yeah. is a lot like Christopher Reeves because he's like a klutz. Yeah. You know, constantly like bumbling things to keep his cover up just like the bumbling idiot yeah just to to fool people because that's how that's how you because a lot of people also say you know that take of uh how does anyone not tell who superman is like the the, all he does is put on glasses but this is how yeah exactly he's a completely different person people look at clark kent and they're like how could this fucking idiot ever be superman which has got to be exhausting (laughs) oh it's because imagine you're superman you have like like out of this world reflexes and brain power and you have to act like you are the clumsiest like most stupid you person have to on keep Earth. breaking your cell phone and buying a new one just yeah. for the act <laughs> <laughs> oh i broke another cell phone this is getting expensive <laughs> yeah like whoopsie he's clearly as superman fly- flying back into metropolis and on his way like uh perry white is in the office like where is kent like if he's late he's getting fired <laughs> and so we're like oh hurry up superman but then on the way like this kid is running across the street after her dog yeah and uh and and we don't see actually superman save her but like we just see like superman fly by clark kent getting dressed and then we see the kid like clearly being pushed away and being saved on the side like he just did it in a half a second on yeah, his way yeah. to work but it still was a little late yep so this is what like superman the everyday his commute got delayed a little bit by an unforeseen circumstance but he's ready for work yeah you gotta get the job done <laughs> oh yeah and he, and he saved the doggo yeah that's the most important yes the doggo was saving he's a cute little gogum oh yeah and uh, the issue also ends with, because uh, like I said, this story kind of takes place in its own continuity, so they cut out kind of like, because in the main continuity, Lois already knew who Superman was, and I think yeah. they were even married at this time. Okay. So, it, this because uh, Grant Morrison, I think, kind of wanted to retell some of these big moments, like at least some of them, like the moment of like, well, this is where Clark would reveal himself because he's dying. Yeah. Like, this is where the truth comes out. Like, you got to like lay it all on the table. Yeah, exactly. And so as uh, as that issue ends, he rips open his, uh, and shows her the the S emblem under his shirt, and she just drops all of her groceries. It's <laughs> yeah. great. It's a great moment. It's almost like the Godfather when she's dropping all of the oranges. <laughs> oh yeah, how it, how this plays out with Lois and Superman is this ends up being really cool. And uh, oh, I like his take on Lois here too because she initially like doesn't believe him. Yeah, she thinks like she has the lowest opinion of Clark Kent that she thinks <laughs> it's literally impossible that he could be Superman. Well, and part of it too is like she's like I'm a genius investigator. Oh, that reporter. too. Yeah. How could I ever have missed this like, yeah exactly. it's like the most obvious thing like, yeah. like once you realize that she's like holy fuck how dumb am i and so yeah that's why she's in denial she's like i if, if she if he was clark kent i would have known exactly like, i would have known that's worse than like hank from breaking bad like being like related to walter white <laughs> right yeah <laughs> so it's like you just that dumbstruck you're like in denial you're like no he's not superman i'm being pranked here exactly uh but superman takes her back to the fortress of solitude and the fortress of solitude is actually kind of the same thing as the project labs which i talked about which is just kind of like a museum of of curiosities yeah i kind of he was kind of similar to how he did batman too where like in the bat cave he's got like the t-rex and yep. the spaceship and yep. all that they both have similar collections and yeah they're both, probably like share collections like look at my penny i know they like compare their world of superman oddities. actually has the joker penny in this yeah, from he does. the Batcave. so i don't know if he stole that like i'm taking this batman 
And then, like, maybe Bruce gave it to him as a gift. Where'd my Joker penny go? That <laughs> son of a bitch. He knew how much I loved it. <laughs> That's my favorite penny. <laughs> but yeah, because the the uh, Fortress of Solitude is pretty cool. I mean, we have like the normal stuff, like the city of Candor and whatnot. But he also has like a life, like he has the actual Titanic. Yeah, <laughs> like as, as, that's where him and Lois have their like dinner date. Yeah, it's a it's a great idea. Yeah, and he also has like this pit. Where he keeps um, the sun eater. Yeah, the sun eater. He's like, well, it's, he's just a baby. I'm just trying to keep. Like, he doesn't deserve. Like, to, I'm, I could. Like, other people might have put him down, but he's just. He's a son. No one can take care of him. Yeah, but he me. doesn't know any better. Yeah, because that, <laughs> that's what I like. Is Superman's like literally the one person in maybe the universe who could help take care of this baby sun eater. So he's like, I have to. Like, yeah. no one else could besides me. Yeah, like one of the few that could probably tame it, and probably the only one who would not kill it. Because the way he has to feed it is literally like forging mini suns, yeah. throwing it out like a treat, <laughs> which makes for an awesome sequence it does yeah <laughs> but so it's like superman's like no one could do this but me so i gotta take care of the little guy oh yeah and uh lois is like still kind of in denial she's like well if i don't know this like what else don't i know and so she's like thinking like oh god like this guy's gonna kill me like he maybe he's losing his mind yeah that's a terrifying thought yeah because then she walks into this room and sees like all these like uh knives and flashlights like almost like on an operating operating table and she's like oh no yeah superman's like don't go in there yeah he's like whatever <laughs> you do don't go in my secret room <laughs> like oh uh, why yeah anytime your boyfriend or husband has like a secret room in their house that's a that's a red that's flag that's not a great sign yeah, yeah. That's a, so many serial killers had secret rooms but in this case luckily he was just building her a special birthday gift that he didn't want to know about oh yeah uh which is uh, a suit that'll give her the powers well it's a suit and a serum that'll give yeah. her the powers of superman for 24 hours yep uh so she's like oh this is awesome like i can live as you because he wants to give her that experience which I don't know how you make that drug without having some bad side effects. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so this third issue is like Clark and Lois, like he takes her out, uh, like flying through Metropolis. And there's this, uh, there's trouble, like there's uh, this like bus being thrown across the city. And, and Clark's like, oh, damn it, this is going to ruin our day. Like, I thought we were going to have a nice flight. And Lois is like, well, I mean, if if I'm going to be Superman for a day, this is par for the course. This yeah, is what I need. Yeah, we need some monsters. Right. And uh, it's this kind of like, he's like a subterranean dinosaur who has uh, gr- like crawled up from the surface to cause havoc. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he gets uh, actually defeated by someone else who's already on the scene. Because um, we see Samson uh, kind of like throwing him in- into space, like th- into a satellite, and who which is, seems unnecessary. Who is Samson? Uh, it's not a character I'm familiar with. I don't. Uh, I think it might it might be like a reference to like an older Golden Age Superman character okay. or whatnot. But gotcha. For the intent of this story, he's essentially just another superpowered being. Uh, he he tells us he's a time traveler here. Yeah, yeah. Where he can go to like different time periods freely and do whatever he wants. So he's kind of like a Booster Gold type almost. Yeah, Morrison definitely likes his time traveler characters. Well, it makes yeah, it makes for a great story. Oh uh, yeah, and this. he's he's great with time travel. Well, I like I, uh, this is kind of a different take on it too because he's like a time traveling asshole. Yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> so the worst kind of time. Oh no, that's a that's a bad uh, a bad combination. Oh yeah, uh, and this is uh, the one issue that is like it's not bad, but it's not my favorite of the series because it kind of boils down to a lot of just like Superman, just kind of macho contest versus these other two super powered men. Well, it's it's the opposite. I mean, Superman doesn't want to get in. No, it, but that's it's kind of what the issue turns into. Well, because like, yeah, he, he yeah. has to. Superman's eventually. not trying to participate necessarily, but no, yeah. there is one cool part though that happens when because. Uh, Samson, like, uh, gives Lois these, like, diamonds from, like, the ancient Egyptian uh, times, and he's like, oh, these are worshipped by the pharaohs, like, like these are all powerful, created 
by the gods. Yeah, this part was metal as hell. Yeah, and she's <laughs> like, oh, well, thank you. This is very kind. And, yeah. and, and then the one thing Samson doesn't tell him is like, oh, that's cursed. I gave it to her because I have trouble to deal with. Yeah, by the way, that guy, that like crazy like raw demon I stole that from, he's uh, chasing me. Yeah, but now he's chasing you, so yeah. maybe help me. <laughs> Superman's like, bro, dick move. Yeah. <laughs> and because uh, one thing Samson tells him too, which will kind of set up more of this story is he's like, well, Superman, he shows him like a newspaper and this is where Samson is like very much an asshole because oh, he's yeah. like, oh, like, I don't think you can look after Lois because here's a newspaper from the future. You're dead. Yeah. And it's cool. The article's as written by Clark Kent, which we'll see later on. In yeah, the... I love that part. Yep. So he's like, well, you're not going to be around for very long, so I might as well just uh, start laying my claim here. <laughs> yeah, I got to swoop in before you're even in the grave. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> just the biggest douche move. Yeah, so then that's when uh, when this uh, like kind of god that... Uh, he stole the deep the diamond from comes back and he's like you stole my diamond like the only way you're getting out of this alive is to uh to answer my riddle so it's like a sphinx's riddle yeah and um, it's like the inanswerable question and one thing samson also told superman was like i know you're gonna die I, and we even know about the 12 like the 12 incredible feats, feats yeah that, yeah you'll accomplish before you die and he lists all these things and superman's like well i haven't done any of those so maybe you're wrong yep and uh one of the but one of the things he says he's gonna do is answer the unanswerable question which yep. is what happens literally right here the sphinx comes up he's like answer for the unanswerable question. Yeah, so what happens one. when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force? And Superman just thinks about it for a moment, and he's like, oh, I got it. They surrender. Mm-hmm. And then the, the uh, Sphinx just kind of thinks for him, and he's like, acceptable answer. <laughs> and then fades away. I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting, like, I, I think there's kind of something to think about there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that Sphinx character is a really cool design. Yep, so like when, when two forces who just can't stop like meet each other, like what happens then? It's like, well, if the way it's supposed to turn out is they, they surrender or maybe like they talk about their differences or they figure something out, they stop. You know, they are unstoppable, yeah. but they, they stop yeah. by choice. Exactly. Because they have to. Yep. And uh, the, I, I do really like the ending of this issue, too, because uh, the ending of this issue is really, really great. Because he takes Lois. He's like, Lois, there's something I've always wanted to do. And he takes her to the moon. And they have this. It's like a great one-page splash of just, like, Lois and Clark having a kiss on the moon, like, with the Earth in the background. Really great art by Quietly on the, on that one. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, full pager. Yep. And it closes out with, like, the powers are kind of wearing off for Lois. And she's getting sleepy. And I think uh, Clark is almost about to ask her to marry him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she kind of falls asleep and he's like, well, you know, maybe it's not necessary. Yeah. I mean, I, another day, but I am dying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Still uh, got to hurry. Maybe we don't need to go through the paperwork. Forget it. It's a big <laughs> hassle. That's a waste of one of my days. <laughs> <laughs> what does it really mean anyway? Uh, but then she falls asleep and it's just like a great page of uh, Frank quietly drawing Superman, just like carry her to bed, tuck her in, give her a kiss on the forehead and... We've, and then, the, although it's a foreboding shot at the end where that he still has that newspaper, Superman dead. Yeah. So not a great headline. No. One thing I want to call out that I thought was interesting about these uh, about All Star Superman in general, because I was reading uh, Grant Morrison interviews about this book uh, leading up to this, just kind of doing research. And mm-hmm. one thing he talked about was because All Star Superman, like in all the All Star books, were kind of a line that DC was doing at the time, where there was also a book called All Star Batman and Robin that Frank Miller did, oh. uh, which I haven't read, but I've heard. It's really bad, um, but so it was kind of intended to be like this, like line of books. Like maybe they would have done All Star Flash and All Star Green Lantern. That never happened, but gotcha. that was their idea. Okay. Um, and Grant Morrison heard this idea and he was like, "Okay, sure. Like I'll do a thing for that." But then he, like, I think he thought about it like literally for a second. He was like, "All Star Superman, the Sun. He's a Sun God. He's literally." And so he made the book literally Superman 
gets overpowered by the sun and he's all he's like he's all star <laughs> he becomes a star he's like and that's what grant morrison said he's like well maybe superman will just become a star just like, hit it on the nose yeah he'll become because he saw superman as almost like uh he, he was like well what if we reimagine it's almost like this interpretation of like a sun god because mm-hmm. every culture kind of has like you know starts out worshiping the sun yep like you know helios apollo all of that and he kind of based like he said he based a lot of like the story elements and like the visual elements in this on those like old myths. Okay. Which which kind of like adds up a little bit. And you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Because it makes sense. Superman's always had his powers from the sun. He should, it's kind of almost, he is like kind of a sun god. Exactly. Like, in, if Superman had showed up, you know, in a more primitive society or like yeah. earlier in history, they probably would have revered him as a sun god. Yeah. So and that, that's another like really cool Morrison like trait is he loves, you know, not only dealing with kind of creating different gods, but also basing things off of old, like, ancient gods, because there's a lot of that stuff going on in The Invisibles as well. Well, yeah, because he brings up some interesting points, too, because he talks about superheroes as almost like the modern mythology. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, uh, in other times, you know, people, and this is maybe overstating a little bit, but it's got some really good ideas here, where a lot of times in the old day, you know, you would have your own deities, everyone would have their own gods, their own people they would look up to and aspire to. Yep. Like, he kind of views superheroes in the same light, like, as a modern kind of mythology, a modern, like, belief system almost, where it's like, these oh, are yeah. the people we admire and, like, we almost worship. We read about them all the time. And not only that, but, like, a character like Superman is a character who was written a long time ago, created, like, in a time where, like, a lot, not a lot of things from that era survived to this time. Exactly. But for some reason, these characters are, each generation grows up wanting to write their own version of Superman, for oh, example. Yeah. So it's, like, a, this crazy idea where it's, like, these characters survive, they change, they modernize, they kind of update their values, but they, they survive because everyone wants to write their own version of it, which he, yeah, him and, like, he was talking about it in that interview, but I was like, that is fascinating. Oh, yeah, and it's it kind of evolves with, like, our, you know, kind of collective unconsciousness, and, yeah, Graham Morris is super into that, and he he also talks about it you know he views it as kind of a magical ritual also yeah and so that's a, that's a really cool take and like a good way to imagine it's it. like the question of like oh is batman you know batman and superman are they real and like a lot of people be like no they're just animated like created characters but like in a sense like at an actual scope they are real because they've been ingrained in our culture and society for that's, so long uh, that's another thing he brought up in that interview too because he's like you know i'm writing superman and a lot of people and like especially uh the book he ended up making is like one of the all like the first book people will recommend is a yeah, Superman story. One of the so it's definitive. Because like, Grant Morrison even said, like, oh, one day I'll be dead and, like, everything I, like, I, nobody will give a shit about me, but the work will be there. Like, Superman is a character, like he like he said, each generation comes up wanting to write it. Yep. This is something that endures, and, like, I'm a part of that now, which yeah. is a really cool idea. Exactly. Um, this next issue that we get is... Uh, kind of like it's kind of like a almost a twist I think on like a lot of the evil Superman takes that we get a lot of times. Yeah, this was a cool one off. Yeah, because we get a, a lot of evil Superman takes a lot. Because I think some people kind of use that as a crutch. They're like, well, I, I can't I can't figure out how to make Superman work as a hero, so I'll just make him like an all powerful villain. That's easy. Yeah. Well, um, it's not easy to make Superman terrifying, <laughs> or it's not hard to make him terrifying. Right. Yeah. Cause <laughs> all you gotta do is flip the switch. Yeah. And, like get rid of the moral values. Exactly. Uh, and that's kind of what happens in this issue for uh, kind of like a journalism opportunity jimmy olsen is given the opportunity to like run uh the project labs for a day yeah he basically becomes quintum yeah which <laughs> seems ill-advised but yeah <laughs> it's like oh sure have any have, have at it with all my secret projects i'm sure you won't mess anything up yeah and jimmy just is strolling along the whole time living it up until the first thing goes wrong yeah which happens almost immediately yeah 
Because there's like this uh, portal to the underverse, which they're studying, which is, uh, to us almost looks like uh, like a puddle of pink goo, mm-hmm. which literally you submerse yourself in. It's like the chicken McNugget slime. <laughs> it does look like the chicken nugget slime. It does. Uh, but like you submerse yourself in this chicken nugget slime, and then you come out like the underverse, uh, which is like kind of like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It's like kind of where everything is worse. Everything is evil. Everything is just negative. Yeah. It's, it's kind like of the a, way he describes yeah, it. Yeah. It's like a parallel dimension, but like below us. Yeah. And uh, Jimmy is kind of like the work. The initial worker falls in, like the whole thing's falling apart. And Jimmy's like on the edge, about to fall in himself. Yeah. When he Jimmy always has this uh, watch on his wrist, like the Superman call watch. Okay, uh, it's like Jimmy is like one of the few people who's like, I can always have Superman on call. This is great because <laughs> he gets kidnapped a lot. So is fair. that is that a common thing? Yeah. Okay. The signal watch. Yeah, that that's a thing, especially for Jimmy Olsen, because Jimmy Olsen's always like the go- like the oh no, uh, <laughs> he's like the lovable dork. Yeah, and then so Superman's like, I gotta watch out for this kid. Yeah, he can't take care of himself. <laughs> And so like he activates the watch and Superman flies in instantly and and does rescue uh Jimmy but he actually gets stuck in the like in the goo like in the underverse for mm-hmm. a while and he comes back out with this like sickness it's uh they call it it's kryptonite? like a, a it's like a new kind of kryptonite it's like this like black cracked orb that it's they like have dark matter kryptonite yeah exactly and uh there's kind of a cool transition part that they do with the lettering here where Superman's talking yeah it reminded me of uh was that blackest night or longest night uh blackest night yeah yeah uh, well, yeah, well, where the the text goes, uh, it goes like black background, white text. Yeah, all like the black lanterns had the black text. But it's cool the way they do it in this one panel too on the, in this issue because his text like starts out with like a gray box. Yeah, it's kind of like it gets grayer and then turns like to the black background. So it's like he's transitioning to that. And yeah, then it's black black background, white text the whole time. Yeah, it's a cool aesthetic. And so like the, he immediately he starts talking like normal, but then he's like, well, wait, why am I? Why was I here to begin with? It's all your fault. Like, <laughs> you're the you're, like, I could have been doing anything, but I have to come rest. Screw your dumb ass. Yeah, screw you, Jimmy. Yeah, and he's like, wait, Clark, come on. Like, come on, buddy. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Don't gotta be a dick about it. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with you? He's like, no, I think this kryptonite, it makes me bad. And you know what? I'm starting to like it. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm gonna be a bad boy. I'm a bad man. <laughs> and it's uh, we actually see that that Colossus that we saw earlier, the Explorer, kind of like he has to like, we see one shot of him like shooting I-beams at Clark as Clark just like barrels his way out of uh, the project labs. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they're like, we need a contingency. Like, he's gone off the rails. Like, we need to do something. And Jimmy's <laughs> yeah. like, I'm in charge. Like, I have a plan. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, I think you were about to say, like, he uh, finds this doomsday door that they had ready. And he's like, oh, it's doomsday. Don't open it yet. We need it if, it's, you know, we ever need, like, to beat, like, a powerful force. <laughs> yeah, do not open till doomsday. Yep. And so this is like, uh, it's like I said, Grant Morrison kind of retelling some parts of the Superman lore. It's like, no, this is what happened with doomsday. Like, uh, Jimmy had to use it as the weapon, like, to save Superman. Yep. Yeah, it's a cool twist. Yeah. And this is kind of like, this is an evil Superman story i don't mind because it's like you know the whole basis of the story isn't hopeless it's like well superman's like sick we need to help him yeah and so jimmy turns into doomsday but it's not like to, to we need to put him down he's too evil yeah you just gotta like decapacitate yeah him. he's just like no i just need to tire him out like i need to help him so the yep. whole time he's like come on like clark come on don't make me do this and it's like the the uh hulked out jimmy with the doomsday spikes yeah it's a cool like uh uh, like image mm-hmm. or style and yeah and also he's kind of on a ticking clock too because the like the person in his ear is telling him he's got like a you know limited amount of time right. before he like turns into doomsday before like they permanently him back yeah well no well, th- well he's got to like get out of there otherwise he'll turn into oh a he'll per- turn like, into the doomsday yeah yeah and Which you, you kind of see him start to slip too, and near the end where his like text boxes start to go gray. Uh, and I like it too because when Clark does finally like get himself back and pull himself back together, like uh, Jimmy's like right uh, converting back to himself too, and kind of like hugging him in the in the rubble. He's like, "Don't let anyone see him like this. Like, yeah. we, we need to help him." Right. 
then the final thing he does uh, when he's in, in charge of the, the project labs is literally carve the words I love Lucy for his girlfriend into the moon, <laughs> which seems irresponsible. <laughs> that seems very irresponsible. Although it's later, it's gone later on in the comics. So I, say, I think like, we're implied to believe he got rid of it after like a week or something. Uh, yeah, because like it, it, either they carved it and then kind of sanded it out or it was just like they painted it out. <laughs> yeah, Quentin took charge again. He's like, okay, first order of business. We're getting rid of yeah, that. Yeah, get that shit out of here. <laughs> and Lucy was like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> No one even got to see it. Jimmy, you said it'd be there forever. Yeah. Uh, and the next two issues of this, I think, are maybe two of my favorite issues in... I oh, mean, yeah. It's hard to pick a favorite in All-Star Superman, because some of these are just so great. Yeah, these um, are one of my favorites. But this is like the Lex Luthor issue, mm-hmm. where like, because it's it's literally Clark Kent as Clark Kent, uh, like Lex has offered him the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to like full, like anything goes interview with Lex Luthor. Uh, so Clark is going to like the maximum security prison to interview Lex. Yeah, because Lex kind of like wants to give his side of the story because he obviously he doesn't know Clark is Superman, mm-hmm. and he even has a line where he's like, you know, Clark, you're the one reporter I always liked. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, eh, maybe you're not the best. I judge hate character. Superman, but you, you got something you're about you. Great, <laughs> there's just something about you. Like, well. <laughs> And because uh, we we open it up with Lex's trial and Lex is actually put to the death penalty. He's like, well, like we have you uh, dead to rights on everything, Lex. Like, yeah, this is such a cool part. Like the, the judge is like getting super stern with him, like Adolf Hitler, Attila the Hun, Lex Luthor. Yeah, these are your role models. Like, yeah. You're a piece of shit. Lex Luthor's just sitting there like, yeah, bitch, ride the lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, fuck it, I'll take the chair. He actually has a smile on his face. Right. Yeah, so it's like something, like, I don't trust that. Like, yeah. he's, he's got a plan here. Exactly. Either he's got a plan or he is very, very content with knowing he beat Superman. Yep. And th- and that's kind of like where we're not sure because we do know, like, he's exactly. basically, his plan is done. Yeah, like, that's the idea that kind of lulls you into, like, complacency. You're like, well, like, he seems very happy he, like, got his job done. So, like, he's probably not going to do anything Yeah, because uh, as far as he knows, like, Superman's on a clock. Like, there's no way he can get back to this. I beat him. It's just yep. a matter of time now. Yeah. It's like, well, as long as I don't get executed before superman dies we're all good uh and this is this what i really like about this issue is uh it's like the whole thing is basically just clark and lex talking and it's Mm -hmm. it's actually great because it's lex just like working out kind of like you can tell he's like building up his muscles he's like feel my muscles these are real human muscles yeah it's your your classic ego trip yep he's like i made these myself superman gets it easy (laughs) and uh and one thing that's that's really good great about the way morrison writes this lex uh, Superman like uh, kind of rivalry here is it's like there's always the brain versus brawn that's one thing but what's more important here is like the reason like I think what makes it interesting is why Lex hates Superman mm-hmm. because there's more to it than, like the reason why Lex tells us and the reason what, that he wants put on paper in the interview here is you know Superman is like impossible to live live up to you know he's always standing in the way of what humans want to accomplish and human progress and you know w- w- I could do so much good in the world if it weren't for him always stopping me yeah, and so, even the good things I do, that's like nothing compared to what Superman could ever do. Right, and so he kind of puts this like almost imaginary barrier around himself. Like, well, I would do good, but the only reason I don't is because Superman. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, if you really wanted to do good, you would just find another. Like, uh, Superman wouldn't really be stopping you if you were doing good. Yeah, it's just a, like a prime excuse for him to use anytime he fails. Right, it's like he's just a narcissist who does what's be- in his best interest. And he's like, well, I would help the world, but this asshole, uh, you know, he's <laughs> being an asshole, so I won't. Yeah, my idea of helping the world is somewhat bad. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he always stops me. 
And during this whole thing, uh, Lex is kind of just like confidently walking him through the prison because we were kind of we get the impression that Lex basically runs this place. Yeah, because he he says like I've been here so much like this is basically my uh, Candor. This is like my city in a bottle. Like I rule here. Like yeah. I, I understand this world better than the real one. And if you're if you're some low life in prison, like no name, you're not just gonna fuck with Lex Luthor. Oh no, like, <laughs> like but yeah, he's he's kind of he's like the one person bringing. He's like oh, okay, like Lex, I'll do whatever you want. Like you'll I'll be on your side now. Yeah, like, like that's great. I don't need you drilling into my cell at night with like a ray gun and like killing me yeah I need that <laughs> superman monkey attacking me yeah <laughs> uh and we do get an appearance from another classic superman villain the parasite here uh parasite for those who don't know is basically he he's a relatively simple superman villain where he his powers are he can sap energy from anything around him yeah so that he comes into conflict with superman pretty easily because he can stand up to superman just grab him by the shoulder and that's where he gets his power then he's dangerous and yeah, then yeah superman's weakened yep um I, i've always had kind of a soft spot for the parasite he's not always the most interesting hero but i like i like i don't know i like his design and just like the costume like the the purple and like the lines on him yeah the design's cool it's just his i mean not a great conversationalist <laughs> oh no no not at all but the, there's some good takes on him like uh in, in other superman stories i've read because like sometimes the writers will do it where it's like he doesn't just absorb the energy he absorbs like you know them yeah like almost like rogue does in the x-men where it's like he gets like part of them like their memories and whatnot which can add depth to him as well gotcha um we don't see too much of that in this but i just like the appearance of the parasite in general yeah it's a cool cameo because for here lex, lex luthor is basically just using him as his distraction yeah uh but it's also almost like the one thing that gets uh, clark caught yeah because parasite can sense that there's power near him yeah uh but and and lex even says like oh i don't know why the parasite's going crazy he only does this when superman's nearby and clark's <laughs> like yeah, why uh, would he be going after clark <laughs> well that's a, a weird uh quinky dink <laughs> <laughs> off day yeah and so this prison riot starts happening, and Lex Luthor like doesn't really even seem to care. He keeps doing the interview with Clark and yeah. walking him through. He's like, "Follow me, Clark." Like through like this blown hole in the wall. He's like, "This is where you want to go. Trust me. Don't yeah. stay out there." Just a small news. Continue the interview though, by all means. <laughs> and so uh, Clark is just kind of going with it. Like, sure, Lex, I'm under your protection, even though uh, Clark is actually kind of quelling this riot, like yeah, uh, quietly, <laughs> yeah, like like silently blowing like ice breath to like put out fires and is like sneakily. Like, yeah, he melts the the water the water pipes and then freezes it to yeah. like kind of slow them down yep. <laughs> without people noticing. <laughs> and there's a funny part too, uh, where, um, Lex Luthor's looking at Clark and he's like, Oh, Superman, like your, your eyebrows look a lot like Superman. You know, subconsciously, a lot of men end up shaving their eyebrows to look like Superman. You yeah. Know? And, and Clark's like, or I mean, Lex is like, well, of course I would never do that. <laughs> but then the bit that we see, and this is played subtly. This is a really good bit. Almost like, like Frank quietly does a bit by himself here where he's like, uh, Lex at one part, uh, you you could even, even miss it easily he wipes the sweat from his brow and as he does that he wipes the eyebrow that he's drawn on his head oh i, I missed that yep. like if you look at uh, like a lot of these pages at the end of the issue he's missing his left eyebrow because oh. a couple panels earlier he wipes the sweat from his brow and the eyebrow comes off with it oh my god so he draws on his own superman eyebrows Jesus and then gives Christ. other people shit for shaving <laughs> it like that way yeah that's a cool detail yep because after they leave the facility um they're they're met up by lex luthor's niece who uh is basically like her own a super villain in her own writer she wants to be at least yeah it's kind of a cool character she's like well she wants to end the world and she's only 19 like god bless her (laughs) (laughs) what a scamp yeah i love her and uh and like the first thing she says she's like oh eyebrow lexi eyebrow he's like oh shit oh shit don't look (laughs) and draws the eyebrow back on and he draws it back on like with a curve too so it looks like he's like doing a yeah (laughs) he's like a freaking 
like whacking Bullwinkle. Yeah, I just I love this whole issue. This is just such a good Lex issue. Yeah, it's a um, great Lex because he sails away. He's like Lex Luthor. Like you're not you're on death row. Like this is the final question Clark asked him. He's like you're on death row. Like why are you so satisfied? Like you have this escape route even. Like you can just leave anytime you want. Yeah, you can go. He's like, well, <laughs> I, what do I care? Like I, I'm gonna die content. Like I killed. I'm the one who killed Superman. And like Clark just sails away. He's like, that's all you care about. Like, yeah. all right, all right, fine. And uh, issue six here is uh, I feel like a really important issue in in this whole series. It's the one I think I feel like is the most memorable for me. Oh yeah, because um, this issue could be read by itself too, and it would be amazing. Yep. Um, the whole issue kind of takes place uh, back at the farm on Smallville with uh, Ma and Pa Kent. Uh, and, and Ma and Pa Kent are, are great whenever Morrison's writing them. He does a really good job with them in his action comics run in the New 52 as well. Okay. Um, and so that's one thing I really appreciated here. Because he's kind of talking to Clark like, you know, you're you're my miracle. Like, we, we, we could never have kids, me and Martha. But then one day we were just praying. And then the next day your spaceship landed. Like, what do you call that? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this great scene here, too, where their conversation's interrupted by this, like, it looks like a comet's flying yeah. in. But then out of the crash comes, like, just this, like, happy dog. And it's like, crypto. Yeah, with the like, cape. Woof, woof. <laughs> He's like, oh, Crypto, it's been a while. I haven't seen you, bud. And like literally Clark is playing fetch and walking the dog. Yeah, this is a um, great scene. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, a normal person walks their dog around the park or like plays fetch with them in the park. But what oh, yeah. Clark does, he's Superman. So him him and Crypto, he literally picks up a tree. He walks up to a tree. Yeah. He's like, huh. <laughs> and then picks it up out of the ground, uproots it. It's like, come on, Crypto. And they both fly into space. Yeah, and he's playing fetch with the dog. Shucks it into space. Yeah, he's playing fetch with his super dog with a tree in space. Yeah, you know how people do. Yeah, flying around the moon. Yeah. And there's uh, one of my favorite, like, it's just, uh, there's no text. There's a whole page with no text of just him, like, kind of playing tug of war with the tree with Crypto yeah. in space, flying through an asteroid field. And then just kind of them, like, sitting on a crater like looking at the earth and it's just like Clark kind of looking at the earth and of course Crypto doesn't give a shit he's just looking at Clark yeah just, just like, sitting oh, like a good d- good doggo yep oh that's great and it's like Frank quite, quietly just draws the shit out of that because he's like oh, oh yeah I'll draw the little dog and the dog doesn't care about earth he's looking at Clark <laughs> like, I, I love that such a great image right what, now what's the story with Crypto He's just super dog from Krypton. Okay. There's, I mean, it's it's not like anything that's super sciencey. It's just like, yeah, he's a super dog. He has well, superpowers. I'm, I just mean like, because I, I guess I was all, always under the impression that Superman was like the only one that got out of Krypton, but I know that's not true, obviously. Well, I mean, but, yeah, he, cause he, even Kara got out. So yeah. it's like Superman was the first one that people discovered who got okay. out of Krypton. But gotcha. obviously there's... The, 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 as you read more and more super, uh, Superman stories, you're like, well, a lot of things actually got out of Krypton. Yeah, Jor-El wasn't the only one that thought that was a good idea. Right, yeah. uh, even though most people didn't. Because like, Superman got out, Kara got out, uh, Zod and them were in the Phantom Zone, yeah. uh, the city of Kandor was stolen. So there's a lot of things that kind of did actually make their way out of, uh, of Krypton. Okay. Uh, but Krypto's my favorite of all of them. Oh, yeah. He's <laughs> he, best boy. He, he's a good boy. <laughs> uh, and this issue, uh, it features these mysterious newcomers who come to the farm. Uh, they call themselves the Superman Squad. Uh, and they kind of explain themselves as like Superman from like different universes. Um, cause one of them, he's like, Oh, my name is like Cal Kent. Like I'm the Superman from the year, like 3,100. Yeah. And, uh, like one of them just has like mummy bandages around his head and he's like, I'm a Superman. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask any more questions. Yeah. And one of them too is kind of cool. He's uh, the Superman from the fourth dimension or from the fifth dimension, uh, yeah. which is where Mr. Mixelpix comes from. I was going to say, that's like the dude on the cloud, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mr. Mixelplix. Yeah. <laughs> I struggle saying his <laughs> name because there are no vowels in his name, yeah. which makes it hard. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, it's kind of a cool, it's almost like, well, what if one of those imps like, uh, like, you know, saw the value of Superman and didn't want to fight him, but became Superman. So it's yeah. almost like that you can infer that much just from him existing. Yeah. It's a cool take. Yeah. And, uh, what kind of, we actually see the thing that kind of brings them over too, cause Superman, uh, 
this will be brought up later, but then Superman's hanging out with uh, uh, Pete and Lana, who are like his friends from Smallville. Yeah. And uh, there's this like kind of mysterious old man who walks in the background as they're taking a picture, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about more at the end of the issue, which kind of comes back into play. Um, but then Superman kind of flies home after this and just kind of sits with Crypto. Crypto's in a lot of this issue, which I really like. Oh, yeah. Because it's just him and Crypto kind of sitting on top of the silo on the farm. And Crypto doesn't seem to like the other Supermen. <laughs> and and Clark's like, oh, you don't seem to like them. Like, what do they want? I don't know if I trust these other people. <laughs> and uh, the, the Superman tell him that they've come from the future, basically from all these realities, to uh, to help him with this creature they're tracking called the, the cro- Chronomore? Chrononore? Uh Cronanor. The Cronivore. Because he, he eats time, essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like this this time beast that can like accelerate time around him because he's eating it. Yeah. Like while they're fighting it, they even say, like, he's turning the cows into hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's kind of cool. That, that's that's interesting because there's something in uh, the filth that's exactly like that. Oh, yeah. Another, another Graham uh, Morrison thing. Yep. I, I think you just finished reading the filth recently, yeah. didn't oh, you? Yeah. Oh, highly recommend. Oh, Loved nice. it. Yeah, I haven't read that yet, but that's on my list. You should. It's had, got the best kitty in it. Oh, that, that sounds and the, great. And the best Graham Morrison monkey character. Yeah, another monkey yeah uh, he likes having the intelligent monkeys in his book oh for sure it's uh, in doom patrol too yeah yep <laughs> in uh, x-men too i think is oh is there a talking monkey that in x-men i don't remember i, I want well, i guess the monkeys don't have to talk but as long as they're dressed up and acting human, yeah exactly that, then it fits the, the qualification they're wearing a suit <laughs> then we'll count it oh yeah <laughs> a tie we'll count a bow tie i'll, I'll count a hat yeah you know what a hat a, a little hat dervish <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're tracking this monster, and he's turning the the cows into hamburgers. Which I would just go around scooping the hamburgers up. I'm like, the damage is done, right? I, I feel like that's a gold mine for any business plan. Oh sure, <laughs> like you can cut out a lot of middlemen. Oh yeah, um, but as they're fighting, uh, they're kind of it's weird because they're they're trying to get Superman out of the fight, which Superman finds suspicious. He's like, no, I'm Superman. I should be fighting. Why do, why don't you want me here? Yeah, like this is my timeline. But they're they're actually doing it selfishly. They're like, you know, Superman, you don't want to be here. Like you're you're losing valuable time. He's like, well, time. Like what do minutes matter? Like we're just fighting this monster and like no like superman like minutes will matter here yeah and we see uh pa kent uh kind of just in the field by himself in the farm because the this, the superman squad said they were going to help with the harvest which mm-hmm. is convenient to have like three supermen show up and help you harvest in like a day's work yeah right because uh, he's like you do boys did a hell of a job he's like well it's it's hard work but i like it he's like well you get out of the work what you put in just kind of <laughs> having farmers talk yeah and uh there's almost like this moment of lucidity where it seems like pa kent almost knows who he's talking to which when we find out, it's almost like he would have to know. Oh, yeah. Because he even says, like, uh, he's like, well, I feel like this is the end for me. Like, you know, Ma, uh, Ma Kent wants to move out to uh, the city. Like, uh, I'm a farm guy. I think, like, it's the end for me and the farm. Mm-hmm. So he almost knows he's on his way out here. Yep. And he's talking to the, the Superman. And the last thing he asks him, he's like, it all turns out well in the end, right? And and he says, it all comes out right in the end. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so, he, and then... At the end of the issue, it's revealed this guy in the bandage is actually Clark Kent. Yep. So it's like Clark Kent is coming back in, in his dad's final moments because the minutes after here, he has a heart attack. Yeah. And uh, like that's that's what uh, the Mr. Mixoplex Superman tells me. It's like, you, you know, in this time, like these three minutes, you just wasted like, uh, like he's having died. a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. He, he's dead. Yep. And it's this really like uh, heartbreaking panel of like Superman flying, like trying to go as fast as he can to save his dad. And he's yep. like, no, I can save everybody. And his hair's on fire because he's going so fast. Yeah, that was really cool. It's yeah. like, I can do anything. Like, I can save my dad. But this is the lesson he learns. Is you, you can't save everybody. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what he says at the funeral. He's like, you do, the, you do the best you can, but you can't save everybody. Like, you can't put that on yourself. You just got to keep trying to be good. Yep. 
And yeah, and like it's it's gotta suck for like uh, Mummy Clark Kent to come back and be like, well, like I know he's gonna die. I probably could do something, but I know I can't. Right. But at least he got to have his cool moment. But that's kind of he even says like that's kind of why I wanted to come back. And he says like the only reason yeah, he I can wanted see- to say goodbye. Yeah, and because one the, the, one of the things Clark says like as he's crying at the funeral because like uh, Martha's there with him, like kind of just consoling him. He's like, I never even got to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. But that's what he doesn't realize is he. He might. He's like, no, you will. Just you not will. in like not thirty, yet. in like thirty yep. years. Because <laughs> Clark reveals, he unwraps the bandage. He's like, no, it's me from the future. Like, yeah. I, I came back. Like, and I wrap my face up because that's how I remember it happening. So I just figured I had to. Well, and he didn't. He didn't want to like make Clark suspicious by seeing his future self come back to this like well, yeah, moment. Yeah. yeah. So that was probably the first reason. Yeah. Um. But he says like, you know, we we never got to say goodbye, but now we did. Like, yeah. I got to say my goodbyes to him, which is a really really cool moment. Yeah. And- I, I love when Matt Graham Orson does just like little things like that with time travel. Like, it doesn't really matter, but it, it's really it's just a really cool like character moment. Yep. Because it's kind of like uh like if we talk about superhero comics, it's almost like this like uh like a fantasy like a uh human fantasy. It's like this is kind of like if you had superpowers, that's what you would do. Exactly. You know? If you never got to say goodbye to your father, you'd fly back through time because you can. Yeah. Because you totally. fucking can. And- <laughs> Yep. Just go back and be like, no, like everything turns out right. You did well. You were a good dad. Yeah, like, good. It's yeah, like, no. oh, such a great issue. I yeah, love this so much. It's amazing. And Superman Prime shows up in the future, the head of the Superman squad, and he's like, no, like I have one final gift for you. Like it all, it all turns out right because it all turns out how it always has. Mm-hmm. Like the end is the beginning, and gives him this immortal flower from New Krypton. Yeah, it's like a gold rose looking thing. Yep. And so it's like this is a remembrance of all that is and all that ever will be because it's all part of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, the final page is Clark Kent just putting the golden rose like on the on the ground by Jonathan's grave, and it's just like a beautiful, beautiful panel. I love it so much. Oh. Oh, yeah. Um, but at, at the same time, that's kind of like uh, we're about to enter, I, th- I would call like the darker period of this series. Um, because Grant Morrison, I kind of, uh, in what I was reading too, kind of pitched this series as it's a 12 issue story kind of going through. He kind of pitched it as like the 12 hours of the, of, uh, of like a day almost, like, you know, like a. Uh, 12 to 12 yeah yeah where you, you'd go through a day and go through night but you'd come out and emerge in the day again mm-hmm. so the, if you're comparing it to that this is almost like this is the middle ground this is where you know we've come out of the daylight now we're about to enter like darkness yep and so like the next few issues are going to be like a little like not dark but like yeah. a dark like a dark period that he has to fight his way out yeah, of yeah darker undertone. almost like like fighting your way out of depression almost like yeah that, that's what we'll get to next yeah definitely um, that's going to be kind of like the starting of, of the Bizarro arc, which is what we'll talk about next week. That's where we'll pick up. Uh, we, we placed... Oh, man. I love talking about this book so much. I know. <laughs> oh, no. It's already over. I want to talk about the Bizarro stuff. Uh, all right. Next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so next week we'll be talking about issues 7 through 12. Uh, oh, there's so much good stuff to talk about there, too. Uh, I, like, uh, the second half is amazing. One of my favorite issues is in that set, too. I, I, say yeah. that, I feel like I'm saying that about every single one. <laughs> but They're just, all my favorite. That's just kind of how this book goes. This is one of the first books I ever read, and it just like cemented me as a DC, a, like a DC fan. It wasn't the only thing that did it, but I, well, read, yeah. I read this, and I was like, oh, like I get Superman. Like To this day, Superman man is one of my favorite dc characters like because of this book gotcha because it kind of showed me like what you could like what superman like was about it's not about power levels and about who beats who and is he too powerful to be fun like that's not its powers aren't what makes the story yeah exactly yeah this definitely like opened my interest to get into more superman stuff because if you're telling any superhero story and making it all about the powers like how does this power beat this power and who's more powerful like you're already missing the point about what makes good storytelling good storytelling yeah you're getting lost in i mean not unnecessary details but but you're just it's convoluting it yeah those are the details that are that's like the the icing on the cake but you exactly. don't have a cake yeah like when when you're eating it that way and no, no one likes just icing yeah exactly i mean you can you'll just get sick over you'll it. just be a weirdo <laughs> you'll, be a, you'll be a weirdo 
Uh, but that'll bring us to the end of what we're going to be talking about this week for the comic book. We're going to be moving on to our discussion of the original 1978 Superman movie with Christopher Reeves, Gene Hackman, uh, Margot Kidder, actually freaking Marlon Brando's in this movie. Yeah, which Marlon I did, Brando. Because uh, I have actually never seen this movie at all. Um, so I was yeah, going into this long, fresh. It had been a long time for me. Yeah, and I mean, for people, I mean, probably older than us, this was like a movie everyone saw. This oh, yeah. was like a, not Star Wars level maybe, but this was like a movie that was like, oh yeah, we, we've seen Superman, of course. It's like how we, everyone our age has seen The Dark Knight. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it's like, this, this was like, because this was, uh, for as old as this movie is, you can kind of see how it's setting up like what superhero movies would be too. For sure, yeah. Forward, especially uh, in what we'll talk about next week, Superman 2, I was noticing that a lot too. Okay. Where it was kind of setting up some tropes I've seen in every superhero movie since. Yeah, yeah. The movie overall, I think, definitely, I mean, it's a 1978 movie, and movies from then can kind of age better or worse than someone's. I mean, this one is clearly very dated, oh, yeah. but there are some things that I, I think are charming and that do kind of hold up pretty well. Oh, yeah. Uh, mostly a lot the, of things held up. Yeah, mostly in the realm of like what Christopher Reeves is doing and how he plays both characters, Clark Kent and Superman. Yeah, yeah. Um, although the movie actually opens up on Krypton. Krypton looks pretty cool in this interpretation of it. It's like an ice planet. It, basically, everything looks like the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah, the world building is kind of like neat with it. Yeah, it's a lot of Fortress of Solitude style architecture. Which isn't the design we always see with Krypton, I feel like. A lot of times when I feel like we see Krypton in the comics, some people do it like almost like a Cloud City kind of looking thing. Like a like, city in the city Yeah, in like the a sky. Jetsons almost looking thing. Okay. Um, I see that a lot, but this I like this take because it makes sense why the Fortress of Solitude looks like that then too because it's like that's just what they're architecture looks like that's yeah what, you know that's like what they do exactly that's like what the materials they have to build from yeah totally uh and Mar- marlon brando i feel like is like sleepwalking through this world a little bit he's not bad definitely no but like, but like this is prime husky marlon brando oh yeah it's <laughs> like he, he doesn't move at all when he's no. like he's just like i'm gonna stand in this spot and i'm gonna read my lines <laughs> yeah there were some scenes where you could clearly tell he was reading from a like a cue card i think he could have <laughs> done this whole role sitting down oh for sure because like he is only ever shown from the waist up and he never moves <laughs> and most of what we see is like in recordings yeah definitely <laughs> he could have done this whole thing like this would be a great role for him to do like during this covid thing he could have done the whole thing like on a webcam Remotely. at home <laughs> yeah, yeah totally on, on a green screen oh yeah uh like he's not bad but he uh it's, it's kind of i would say static maybe yeah i mean yeah. i i get the kind of character he's going for is just kind of the stately esoteric like leader kind yeah, of dude. Yeah, he kind of looks like Jay Leno. In the- <laughs> <laughs> he does. Definitely Jay Leno with his white wig, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but we see him and like it's almost like a scene that is kind of weird because it's like a scene of them actually exiling Zod and Ursa and like the rogue Kryptonians. Yeah, it reminded me of like 1984. Like there was just a weird room of a bunch of monitors. Yeah, and- it's not a bad scene but it's like setting up something that we don't see until the sequel. Exactly. Which is interesting. Which yeah. is, yeah, that's a lot of planning. It's like putting the after credit scene is your opening scene and like i guess yeah you want to like show off or like have a cameo with a classic superman villain but yeah they basically just like sentence them and yeah, i don't even know if they introduce him as i guess they had to but they say the name yeah. but that's pretty much it <laughs> yeah because it's like the scene of superman's parents like trying to uh steal him away on the rocket which is actually pretty good it's like they because you see like how their technology works yeah the spaceship looks awesome it's basically like a kind of chrome like asteroid yeah because it's not a rocket in this which i thought was interesting it's like uh more like ufo-ish where yeah. it's like you don't know how it's flying it's, it's like just, a floating sphere yeah it's like a floating almost like disco ball yeah exactly <laughs> that he flies away in which i mean if you're gonna go ufo style like uh, spheres are very common so. yeah and it's just kind of cool how it flies without seeing how it's flying i think that's kind of interesting oh for sure kind of make that's i think what makes it ufo it seems unnatural moving almost oh yeah 
is like something that should not fly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but when Superman lands, I really like, I mean, Martha and uh, John Kent aren't in this a lot, but like with the parts that they're in, I really liked them. And that was probably one of the things I started out in this movie going like, oh, that's that's really great. Like there's this scene where like Pa Kent is kind of walking Clark down the, like, uh, down the farm kind of explaining to him like, you know, how if you have the it's basically like with great power comes great yeah, responsibility. Clark, like, Clark's pitching about not being able to like light kids up in football. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, Clark, I, I don't know what you were put on this planet for, but it wasn't for scoring touchdowns. Yeah. And that's a great line. Exactly. I love I, that line. I love that line so much. Mm-hmm. And he's and Clark's just like, Oh, well, I mean that's a good point. <laughs> like, you're probably right. Yeah, I, I can probably be using this for better things. But do you have any idea how popular I could be? <laughs> oh my god, I'm such a loser, Dad. Please. <laughs> Dad, I could be a, I could play for the Dallas Cowboys. He's also super <laughs> smart. Is he not allowed to play chess? Yeah, right. Can he just be like a biologist he could be like the kicker maybe you can get away with that yeah but think of how much you'd have to focus on restraining oh yeah you just kick it to space punt it to the moon (laughs) yeah oh no that's a 40 yard look uh, at that (laughs) margot kidder plays a really good lois lane in both of these movies that we watched uh, because we actually already watched superman 2 that we'll be talking about next week but margot kidder is a really good lois in this i like her a lot Uh, but like her relationship with clark in general is really good in this too because like even when she knows that he's superman like they have this really great scene where he like meets her on the rooftop and like uh and kind of like gives her like a fly like kind of be like this is what it's like to fly and like shows her around yeah yeah uh and there's a line that he has during that part too which i really like where he's like uh she offers him a drink he's like sorry i don't drink and fly like, good guy clark <laughs> right <laughs> and then responsible and he even scans her lungs he's like you know you smoke too much no cancer yet but we'll keep an eye on it <laughs> and lois is like whatever fuck <laughs> you like it's the 70s i'm gonna smoke <laughs> yeah right it's like what do you mean they're not healthy <laughs> Uh, and like, there's almost like a like a, almost like a pretty long montage of just Superman doing Superman things, which I liked. Actually. I appreciate yeah, it. Was it was pretty good. Yeah, because uh, he, he's even like pretty quippy. It's like uh, almost like a Tony Stark kind of like you know actually made me laugh a couple times. He's oh, like, for sure. Special delivery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and so like he's just like going around beating up criminals, just being like, "What well, you got to do better? Turn a new leaf, bud." Yeah, just laying the zingers. Oh yeah, he's got the zingers ready. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor is is kind of an interesting awesome. take in this. Yeah, he's pretty good. I like him because it's it's not the Lex Luthor that I was expecting going into this. Yeah, he's not like the CEO mogul. He's kind of like he must just be like his family obviously came from money, and then he is yeah just, he's clearly got money. He's got yeah. a money funnel. But he's like an outcast exactly. Think, like yeah. he literally lives under the subway. Yeah, he, his hideout's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a dope like mansion built into like a cave in the subway. Yeah, it's like an abandoned subway. He's purposely flooded in parts to make like swimming pools and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's got like a Roman bath. <laughs> yeah. But you can still see like the writing of like where the tunnels used to be, like yeah. you know, th- uh, Grand Station this way. Yeah, it would be an awesome place in like oh, it would be, Yeah, and he's got like this big library too. Yeah, because uh, I think this is supposed to be closer to like the old school Lex Luthor before he was like a CEO before that take kind of originated. More of a mad scientist. Yeah, he's just like a mad scientist in a hole, pissed at Superman, creating doomsday devices to try to stop him. That's, yeah, that's the gist of it. <laughs> uh, I hate his crew though so much. His crew yeah. is bad. Although I don't, I don't know, actually. What... Um, uh, what's her name? Eve, like his girlfriend. She's not bad. I kind of like her. She has like an arc, at least in this movie. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I don't know if this was a common thing. I mean, obviously, I've seen this in movies before. I don't know if this was a times thing, but they had Lex Luthor have like the like goofball kind of goon character. Oh, I hate him so much. Where, like literally, his his character role. He's is, one of the Three Stooges. It's literally yeah. he's literally curly. Yeah, Lex, <laughs> curly. Like Lex will give him something to do, and he'll like be like, "Oh, take this like little statue over to the table," and he'll 
take it and just instantly fumble it and, and we'll drop get the it. trombone music like he's literally jar jar binks yeah he's like a, he's the the original jar jar binks <laughs> yeah like it's just the most pointless character me that... so go to stop superman <laughs> and step in the poopy i honestly i would have taken jar jar over this guy oh jar jar binks teaming up with lex luthor oh, well, listen that's the crossover we need that's crossover we all need oh yeah he uh, stopping superman like oh no <laughs> i mean we know he can do backflips full disclosure me and eric for no reason earlier today watched the phantom menace i, I don't know why <laughs> I, I mean, was literally just eating food. Like I got to put on something to watch we, while I eat this. Well, we skipped a big part of it, but yeah, we, we watched, skipped all the chorus. We watched scenes. too much of it. No, we 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 watched almost everything but the chorus on scenes. We so. got we got all the Jar Jar at least. Yeah, we watched all the Jar Jar scenes and the Darth Ball fight, oh, which we man. had to watch. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's just a sidebar. Oh man, uh, Jar Jar is not in this movie. No, uh, don't get confused. No, <laughs> he might as well have been though. Yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> he he should have been. <laughs> Uh, Lex Luthor's plan in this is ridiculous, but very comic booky. So I kind of liked it. Oh yeah, because like it, it just, in the middle of the movie, Perry White's like is doing this report. He's like, we have this story that's ongoing, but it makes no sense. Like Lex Luthor, like you know, billionaire maniac is buying all this worthless uh, desert property in California. Yeah, right on the border. Yeah, like kind of like right like uh, just east of Los Angeles, where it's all just like barren, worthless desert. Yeah. Uh, and so Lex Luthor is just buying all this. Cheap what ends land. up being along the San Andreas vault. Yep, and because Lex Luthor's plan is literally. To to blow California off its yeah. border, yeah, nuke the nuke the middle of the San Andreas <laughs> vault and ship it off like the continent, which of course would work. There's oh yeah, no questions asked. That well, would work. the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, like for long, I don't know if I feel like this was later than the seventies, but for a like a good amount of time, there was a time where like scientists thought that that could happen, and like there's a big fear that people thought that was like Bill Hicks literally has a right they, yeah. has like an album or a stand-up special called Arizona Bay. And he's got mm-hmm. like a bit about California breaking off into the ocean. Yeah, and then so, Lex like, Luthor being rich, yeah, so, like, beachfront like, property. And, like it's a cool trope kind of idea, but yeah, in reality, what's well, fun in a comic book where oh, your villain sure. can be like, well, now I have all the beachfront property. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a if it could happen, it's a genius. Yeah, plan. If, if you're a super genius, you're you're pretty confident that'll work. That. Go for it, man. Yeah, that's, <laughs> well, that's, don't go for it, but <laughs> in the supervillain community, they'd be like, good plan. Oh, yeah. You'd be in history. I'm just imagining Bane telling him, that, good plan. <laughs> to say, was that Bane or like some German guy? <laughs> I am the German. Guten Tag plan. Uh, Lex, there's a cool part, too, where Lex, when he's trying to stop Superman, uh, he reaches out to Superman as Clark Kent without knowing it because he has like this dog whistle message that he sends out. Yeah, he like... Uh, relates something on some frequency that I guess is similar to a dog whistle because he he opens it up with hello Superman I know you're there because the only people that can hear this are dogs and you yeah and Clark can hear it like from the offices and everyone's like Clark why are you covering your ears I don't hear anything yeah all the dogs are like are going well no there weren't dogs in the I mean they show all well they show dogs, dogs in the alley yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> there, there's no dogs in the office <laughs> yeah. our reporter dogs are going nuts <laughs> what's happening uh, and it, it's uh, as the, and so Lex actually gets his plan to go off he launches the nuke and it goes off without a hitch like the the country like the uh, western edge of California is breaking off and like falling apart. Yeah, and, and Jimmy Olsen must have been on assignment at the Hoover Dam. Yeah, just him and Lois. Every there. picture of the Hoover Dam, as if no one's ever photographed it before. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lois is like driving on some random dirt road or something. Yeah, doing like the most boring story ever. <laughs> yeah. So and yeah, Lex he, in, he incapacitates Superman by he figures out that. How well, he, he finds kryptonite. Yeah, he finds kryptonite. Yeah, and he gets like, oh, kryptonite's your weakness, and wraps him up in chains yeah, he and puts throws him, him in the lake. Puts yeah. a necklace of it on him. In the submerged uh, in the subway, yeah. yeah. And that's what I mean, uh, and that's when he gets freed by Eve, uh, Lex Luthor's henchman, like his girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I, I said I kind of didn't mind her, because she actually had like an arc in this. Yeah, she like, saves the day. Yeah, so she was kind of... she because yeah, her mom's in New Jersey, and one of the yep. nukes is supposed to go to New Jersey, and she's like, Lex, can you save my mom at least? Like, ah, sorry, toots. Yeah, he's like, well, I mean, this seems like bullshit. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, right. Like all this to get rich, but I don't feel like I'm getting helped a lot. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, and so so she actually has a turn of heart. She's like, "Well, Superman, if I free you, will you save my mom?" And he's like, "Well, <laughs> yeah, of course, sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, will you save her first? He's like. I guess. Uh, sure. How are you going to know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and so, yeah, so she actually does swim down and freeze and freeze Clark. And we get, I said at the top of this, I've never seen this movie going in. And so this scene that ends the movie, I had no idea was coming up. Oh, yeah. This is uh, the, this is like the famous Lois scene. Lois actually dies. Yeah. Like, she gets swallowed up by the like the fault. And like we see her in the car, like suffocating. It's actually on dirt. pretty brutal. Oh, it's, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, like you literally see her like get buried. And in Superman dirt. like gets there just too late and digs out her body. And he's like, oh, no, like she's dead. Like I was too late yep and uh he remembers this message that his dad told him because his dad actually left a message for him saying like don't interfere with human history like be a good man yeah and uh, like we take that line it's like you know don't be like a maniac and change the course of world history yeah like you know like don't be like a fascist overlord yeah like don't become a dictator don't become overman <laughs> or ultraman yeah. yeah um and but the way clark i guess took that message was don't change human history because that's what he does he yeah. goes back and literally somehow this makes sense okay, flying yeah he flies around the world super duper fast and, and it reverses changes the, the axis yeah so then the earth spins the other way that also reverses time i mean if you want to go off the whole gravity like creates time type deal and it, uh, it, it's not feasible uh, <laughs> it's very loose no and even in 1978 people were like yeah that was dumb as fuck <laughs> that was really dumb <laughs> that was stupid but like because uh, even when he comes back even when like even after you get past that part you're like okay time travel happened let's yeah. move past it exactly and yeah he saves them and then literally drops Jimmy and Lois at the exact spot where she got swallowed and then just leaves somehow it just doesn't <laughs> happen this time yeah well like I think it's still gonna happen but like he just leaves and but then I don't know Changes when it was... it enough, but you should still get her safely out of there. Yeah, like, it could be coming any second. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, all right, well, you're safe to drive on out of here now. It's like, well, could you fly me? No. No, no it, it should be okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so weird ending to that movie. Yeah. I was not expecting that. No, uh, no not a lot of people I feel like did. there's a lot of ways you could have written yourself out of that whole thing without doing that. Just had him save her at the last second? Yeah, maybe there's some <laughs> kind of, like, symbolic... I mean, it, I guarantee it was someone who thought it was a cool idea, like, oh, let's show him what Superman can do. He can change time. Yeah, I'm hesitant to give it the benefit of the doubt, because there's a scene next week where something really stupid <laughs> happens, where he throws a part of his suit at somebody, so... <laughs> That's I'm, almost better. I think that there's just some parts where they were like, let's make up a power on the spot. They just really wanted to make Superman Does wacky. it make sense? Shut up, intern. <laughs> It'll be cool. <laughs> People will like it. But yes, yeah, so like, overall, I feel like the movie is definitely dated in parts, but I feel like the parts they got right do work, because like, oh, yeah. like some of the... Like, they got the characters right, For which sure. I think is what matters. Like, Clark and Superman is like... I mean, this movie inspired a lot of like what we know as, as Superman and Clark Clark Kent, especially. Yeah. Uh, like this this movie defined a lot of Clark Kent things. Where like, uh, and like a lot of it's on the acting. Christopher Reeves does does a really good job acting those characters. Where yep. it's like when he's Clark Kent, you see him slouching. Yeah, it's like postures. All yeah, shitty. like there's actually a part where he transitions where no one's looking at him, where he turns out of Clark Kent to Superman. And he stands up straight, removes his glasses, and you're like, oh shit! Like he's putting on an act the whole time. You don't yep. even notice. Yeah, exactly. So like really good acting on that part. So um. I mean, so it was worth watching. I'm, I'm glad I, I went back and, and revisited this because I, uh, you know, I, I kind of eventually want to go through and watch all the Superman movies. Yeah, definitely uh, for the podcast. We were doing Superman two next week, so definitely check back if you want to see what what I'm talking about, where he rips <laughs> off part of his suit and throws it at I somebody. Mean, if you've seen Family Guy, you know that bit. Yeah, <laughs> do a bit on it. Yeah, you oh, showed yeah. me that. 
Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting. To, Zod is going to be the villain of the next movie. So mm-hmm. if you like General Zod, that's where that we'll be uh, doing that next week as well. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we're not done with Superman. We're going to wrap up next week the final six issues of All-Star Superman and then talk about the sequel like I just talked about uh, to this Christopher Reeves stuff. There's still two more Christopher Reeves movies we haven't talked about there yet. There was four? There was Damn, four, I yeah. I thought there was only three. The next two are not reviewed well. Oh, no, the last two. I know three was terrible. I didn't. I don't even remember. And there's like four. a big gap in between three and four, too, like years Oh, wise. really? Yeah. So I'll be interested to see like what the difference is there. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be covering all of those eventually. Um, I don't know what Superman stories we'll do when we get to that. One, one Superman story I really want to do is Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh, I, yeah. I read that recently, and that, that story was really, really good. Like I think that's one of the better yeah, Superman I'd stories I've Yeah, I definitely want to do that. Yeah, and so Jean Lun Yang is one of the better comic book writers working right now. I'm a huge fan of everything he does. So. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I really want to cover that eventually, too, whenever we come back to Superman. Hopefully not too long from now. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that'll be the end of part one of our Superman stuff. So I, I hope you all have learned great lessons about being a good person and playing fetch with your doggos because they, they do need uh, to play fetch. You don't have to throw it to the moon, necessarily. <laughs> you don't have to throw a tree, necessarily. I mean, you can give it a shot. Play play with play with your dogs and, and your kitties. You know what? That's going to be the whole moral lesson of, of this episode is, is go play with your pets. That's always a good takeaway. Yeah, I, I think that was what Morrison was trying to say with all, all of his, his issues there was go play with your pets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, Morrison that has takeaway. created some great pets. He, I, he, uh, he didn't create crypto, but he does have a cute kitty that i've seen on twitter oh really yeah he's oh, got, cool he's got, he's got a little kitty oh nice i gotta look that up all right so join us next time everybody go go pet your kitties and your puppies see you later